Welcome team. There's a little difference today. Aaron Warburton and CEO of Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Aaron, I want to thank you so much because this podcast I do is to try to help people, inspire people, yeah. a lot of sport people, a lot of athletes, a lot of coaches, but CEO of a sporting organisation, I think you're going to take us on a journey with a whole new team of listeners now that are probably in your area, in the corporate world or, or aspirations of possibly doing what you did. You're yeah. a fairly young CEO, mm. you know, like yeah. you. Um, so thanks so much for coming on. Absolute pleasure. Have you ever listened to the podcast? I have. I was just saying we, um, over COVID and sort of pushing through this year, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it more and more pop up on my Instagram feed. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a listener. Beautiful. Well, <laughs> you know what? First of all, listening is a skill that is probably going to come out in your story. Yeah, You've listened time. and learned off a lot of people. So yeah. I want to go there. I want to know about your influences. I want to know where it all started. I want to know the journey. I'm sure there's lessons along the way that yeah. we can share that will make a difference to people, which is why I do the podcast. So That's good. I'm looking forward to it. So let's start with... By the way, there's a train going past. Welcome to Belmore. Welcome to Belmore. <laughs> We're sitting in Belmore Stadium. This one hasn't blown its horn though. Normally they give you a little toot as it's they go the past. It's team's training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I must say, a little slightly off topic, as a child, as a kid, I reckon maybe 12 years old, yeah. I used to go and sit down there and watch the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. A, and and here I am sitting in It's an amazing venue. It, it's, and the trains used to go past. Yeah. They used to kick goals and go on the train track. So, yeah, I remember really good memories coming in here. Yeah. But anyway, back to you. Yeah, yeah. That is, uh, it's a beautiful venue. And if the walls could talk, there should be a book written on the memories of Belmore because yeah. everyone I speak to who came here as a kid with the dad, the grandfather, the family, yeah. it's, um, it's a special place. Yeah. It really is. So we can expect a few trains coming past. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Quakers Hill. Right. So the first 25 years of my life with mum and dad and my sister um, until I moved to the hills, so Kellyville, yep. Balkham Hills. I've always been in sort of that northwest area. Yep. Um, loved it. School in Marion, yep. um, Blacktown Boys before I went across to Westfields. But um, yeah, Western Sydney through and through and uh, yep. yeah, love it. Still get back, all my mates are out there. Yeah, um, cool. But yeah. And cool. the West, Westfield sports you just mentioned, yeah. that's, that's kind of in your area here now as, yeah. as the Bulldogs. Yeah. You, you're keeping that relationship strong, I yeah. bet. Yeah, look, it's an um, amazing school and, and it's got a lot to do with where I'm at at the moment. But I got invited back just before Christmas. Actually, Lukey Vella, who's one of our coaches here and works at the school, um, invited me back for a tour. Got to meet the new principal, a couple of familiar faces. Yeah. Uh, yeah Joe yeah. Kelly. Um, and we had um, an amazing day. But I spent the whole time saying, well, that wasn't here when I was here. And yeah. we built that and that hall and this. And, but look, so much of it's still there. It's got amazing people. Kids who are coming through whose sport means so much to them. Yeah, they get yeah. a really nice structure around them from an education point of view. Sure. Um, get the time for their training. But also, you know, if the grades aren't there, you don't train, you don't play. Well, I'm feeling that it had a real positive influence on you because sport has always been your in your life yeah. and now and obviously there was a, a management a corporate side of you but yeah now you're a CEO of a sporting franchise but yeah. let's stay there at the influences at a school you were at that school for track and field yeah correct 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Track and field is such a good foundation in a lot of ways, yeah. including the detail you yeah. look for. Yeah, like thing. I know this from my own coaching. I know that a track and field background, and mm. how I think and what I care about and how much detail I care about. Uh, do you feel that in how, where you've gone in your work? Like, yeah. Because as a track and field athlete, you have to be very disciplined very like every little detail counts yeah, yeah. has that had an effect on you professionally yeah interestingly when I, I got recruited across the Westfields in year 10 I just loved sport you know from track and field played a bit of footy played soccer anything I could get my hands on whether it was summer or winter yeah. and it was all around being with your mates and keeping healthy I was always quick hence the track and field background so yeah whatever I was playing I was either on the wing or striker um, yeah. but track and field what it meant to me pre-Westfields versus during and then post worlds apart in terms of the discipline and the commitment you needed knowing that all the stats were there that said to make it in track and field you've got to be in the absolute you talk about one percent yeah the one percent yeah. of the one percent would yeah. make it through milliseconds meters in throwing and jumping and yeah, all these yeah. things that was in your control as long as you had the ability and the right people around you yeah you had the dream that you could get there um yeah. i didn't appreciate that pre-Westfield and not that Westfields was the be-all and end-all and, and this was just my path but yeah. it was um it was people believing in you but giving you the the roadmap to say you stick to this you're a fair chance of improving and who knows what can happen next so yeah. combine that with the team environment of Westfields yeah. that you don't appreciate in track and field in general it's a yeah. very individual sport between you and your coach maybe a couple of training partners but our track team was you know 40 50 strong yeah. We'd travel, we'd train, we'd compete, we'd cheer. So it had that team environment. And not that you'd miss a session and let someone else down, but you almost had that feeling, like you get yeah. in, in footy um, yeah. coming yeah. through. It was, um, yeah, it was a special three years. And it's funny, at the end of um, my athletics career, you still feel part of it. I still do today. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it was a pretty special time. Well, yeah, no, I just, I'm really big on listening how people have been influenced and good people in their life and i yeah. i can tell i thought i mean i've known you for a long time yeah um you then went and worked in rugby league yeah and the next time i stumbled across you was Parramatta eels yeah. you were working in marketing yeah, you were correct. A, a junior in marketing yep um underneath the great stephen edge yeah edgy yeah good man um so how did this journey could you talk to us about that yeah like, very unique. You just wanted anything in sport? No, Did well, you always think marketing? No, so what happened when I um, finished high school and with you know, marks that you wouldn't um, gloat about, um, yeah. I was pretty disappointed in the sense that, you know, they weren't where I wanted them to be, but I got accepted into university on a scholarship um, yeah. that I actually declined in the end. So I was going to go to Western Sydney University, um, UWS at the time, in a marketing degree. Yeah. But my mum at the time worked in a school, another school in, in the western parts of Sydney, and her career advisor um, actually mentioned to her, I think in the coffee room, that there were a couple of traineeships um, that weren't, you know, in front of me when I was at Westfields. Anyway, that night she said, there's a couple of opportunities, why don't you come in and have a chat to him? One of them was at the turf club, one was, it was in an office somewhere, in a, in a pretty cool, um, I think it might have been, funny enough, mining randomly. They'd have a right. Sydney office yeah. and then Parramatta. 
Right. And at the time, I didn't have all the love in the world for the eels. I'll put it lightly. You know, growing up uh, in the western Sydney, western parts of Sydney, supported Penrith, a bit of Manly, a bit of this. I was all over the place. Anyone that yeah. was winning titles at the time, that was me as a young football supporter. Um, so I ended up having this interview and sat down with, um, I remember it like it was yesterday, Trish Cruz and Tony Zappia. Yeah. And I just sold myself. It was a, I didn't know too much about the role. It was, a, it was a membership assistant role at the Eels. I was 17, almost 18. So straight out of school, I was a young graduate. So you started graduate in membership? In membership. What year was this? 2001. What a great year. Yeah, actually, and, and ended yeah. up starting the start of 02. So yeah, Feb okay. 02, I started with the Eels. Right, yeah, yeah, Trish, what a champion. Yeah, they were great, and they believed in me. Right, yeah. They thought, you know, this guy, we can teach, we can, right. he's a good listener, he'll, um, you know, and, and two years there in that traineeship role, saw me into full-time employment after that, under Edgy, yeah. in the sales team. So it's, um, yeah, it was, it was a great time, and it was, you know, it was down the road from me, I was in the, in the catchment. I want to ask you, what did you learn mm. from Edgy? Stephen Edge? Yeah, yeah. Great player captain many grand finals yeah. but he's now heading up a marketing team with the eels who were humming at the time yeah that, yeah that i was there for 12 years and that um that oh one year in particular yeah. what a year but some great people i know what i know why mm. i think edgy was brilliant in that marketing space but i'm going to ask you what lessons did you learn from yeah him? edgy was um look and i put my hand up i didn't know too much about edgy like you, you say it now five grand final wins as a captain as captain I should get him on here. He's um, watching. Get on Talk about a leader. <laughs> he's, yeah. He is, and he. But you know what? He let me be me. But at the same time, his relationship skills, his ability to pull people together in the same direction as, not just what he believes in is, what's best for the club. Like he, he was a clubman. He'd yeah. come through obviously dragging into the eels, and yeah. I don't think apart from a few years, I think he spent at Tyrrells. Um, yeah. He he was heading the marketing and the sales team for a number of years, and everyone knew Edgy. Yes. Edgy looked after everyone. Um, he, he just had this ability to, to, to keep you smiling. So it was this environment that you could always perform your best in. And this is a football club where you think performance generally obviously happens on the field and the training park and whatnot. Edgy brought a bit of that into an administrative team. So he, um, he's, still, he's still doing what he does. You know, probably to yeah. a lesser extent he's at the Dragons now. I tell you what you've he's done a, here, mate. Honestly. Like, I know what I think of Edgy. Yeah. And I know you just said relationships and you said connection. I know from a coaching point of view, and mm. I know a leader like him who mm. brings teams together. When yeah. he was a player, when you bring teams yeah. together and you have a connected team, the, the most connected Spot team on. wins. Yep. Right? So he brought that and instilled that in you in a marketing sense mm. that. I had to ask you that question without me saying it. Yeah. Like I know yeah. what makes Edgy so good and mm. what made him so good as a player, and I've seen him in that workspace. But you've just said it, and that's clearly mm. influenced you in your role even now as a CEO. Yeah. Like, I feel what you're doing at this club is bringing really good people and getting this whole club. Yeah, it's a proven method. Yeah. Year after year. Yeah. Um, it's not easy, and. Sometimes there's a bit of luck involved and the right person turns up at the right time to fill a, a certain gap in the organisation. Yeah. But you need a process yourself to actually attract the right people. But yeah. you can't falsify it. You bring the right person in, sell them the dream that doesn't exist. Yeah. Two weeks, they work it out. Yeah. It's not here. The job advert read well. Yeah. You sold the, the sizzle. But it's got to be there. 
but it, yes. you're right. It's, it's that it's that um, it's that thought process. But you've got to instill it in everyone. Yeah. There's no point one person having that belief. But it's yeah. you will do it. You yeah. are doing it. Edgy instilled that in you. Mm. He instilled that in his teammates as a player. Yeah. Um, he instilled that you're you're doing it, mate. Yeah. Like I've already bumped into some people here today. Like you can feel it. So. Yeah. But you do it but, subconsciously. I, I don't think. When you, you revert back to the plan, you go, okay, yeah, we're, we're on track and what we're trying to achieve is, is coming together. Yeah. Um, but that's all you think about. You don't, you don't overthink it. You just get back to what you do, how you do it. You keep valuing that, the results will take care of itself. Yeah. I know you know that, but to people listening, mm. if you keep valuing that little lesson there yeah. we've learned, the results will take care yeah, of itself. Yeah, I hope so. You know? Yeah. Um, so you went this marketing route. Yeah. What happened to you after Parramatta? I'd stayed there for a, a good period of time. Just, uh, was it shortly after the 09 grand final um, when a lot of people departed the Eels? So mm. it, was a, it was a funny old time. The board got overthrown. See, Dennis Fitzgerald, big influence on my early career. He was, um, he was a CEO at the league club and the football club for 25, maybe 30 years. 30 years. The board was, was, was pretty, um, pretty much the same. But... That whole, you know, you take a bit from everyone. You do. You, you, you appreciate how they go about their role, what they've done, how they execute the plan, and you take what you need. And Dennis was very diligent. He was, Parramatta was a steady ship back in those days, if you remember. Yeah. The, the title success wasn't there. 09 came close. Speak to those guys who took the field that day. They, you know, hindsight, they deserved to win that one. Yeah. Um, so I left shortly after the 09 grand final. and. Funny enough, I'd, I'd graduated, so I'd studied for 13 or 14 years straight out of school. So by not taking that marketing degree, I ended yes. up just doing a lot of study part-time. Yes, Cert yes, two yes. here, Cert three here, Cert four marketing, marketing diploma, marketing yeah. degree, um, postgraduate degree in sports admin, my MBA. It was all, it just didn't stop, but I did it at my pace. Yeah. I look back now and say, how, why? But I know why, it, yeah. was, it was to keep me focused outside work and keep me on track but at the time I left the Eels I think I just finished my undergrad degree and I thought everyone was telling me you've got to get out of footy you've got to you've got to see what's out there you've got to challenge yourself here and there and I had a really good opportunity with um, the Bulldogs at the time so this is 09 and with the Tigers right so I met with um, Steve Humphreys at Concord I met with Todd and Dirk at the Dogs but I had a really good opportunity at Coca-Cola Right. In, in a marketing role that was brand new. They actually were developing it. It yeah. um, was in the trade marketing side, so a bit B2B. Um, I took that on, really enjoyed the people and the, the Coke way. Um, yeah. But after about a year, I, was, I, I needed to get back into footy. I actually called Todd and Dirk and I said, remember that role? And they said, Mate, that, was, that was a while ago. <laughs> and I said, I said, right, well, I'm, I'm looking. I'm ready. Um, so I'm a couple ready. of weeks later, I got the call. Dirk called me actually and said, it's on. Let's get, let's get you here. And it was nothing beats sport. Nah, it was. If, if that's been I your missed life, it. I missed it. I, and I don't know what I missed about it. Yeah. It wasn't anything in particular. It wasn't the weekends and the wins, the losses. It was just the environment. And I'd spent enough time out of it to know that I needed to be back in it. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Um, yeah. So that's how I departed the Eels. That's how I spent that sort of called the gap year and yeah. made some really good contacts. Mark Donkin. Yeah, what a um, legend. He was yeah. at Coke at You've the been time. You'll be listening, Mark. He'll be listening. Yeah. Um, and, but great people, and I've still got people I speak to in that short period at Coca-Cola. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was pivotal, because it sort of shot me back out um, and got me to the dogs first time around, as I call yes. it. So 
Well, before we go to there, the first time around you're at the Dogs, you did mention Dennis Fitzgerald as a CEO. Now, yeah. sport is such a ruthless game, whether you're in the coaching game, the playing game, yeah. the admin game. If you're no good, you're spat out in two years. Yeah. If you're no good in this yeah. game. He lasted 30. We just mentioned he lasted 30. I had about 12 years in that club. when, And, and so anyone that ever talks to me about him, mm. You know, he's one of those controversial figures. There's always yeah. someone's got an opinion. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I'll always say exactly that. Yeah. If you're no good, you don't last 30 years in this game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he had a very stable ship going yeah. on there for a long time. He did. Good people around him. and Immaculately dressed at yeah. all times. Yeah, yeah. It's it was, funny. Yeah, things like that, you, remember. you saw the staff. Yeah. They dressed well. Like, it was mm. this pride in yeah. the club and how you presented yourself. And it was... Um, you know, you weren't late. Yeah. Never late. Never late. Yeah. If you're not early, you're late. Dennis is late. It was just these little things that you, yeah, yeah you pick up along the way, and he uh, he kept it there. It was just the pressure on Parramatta. Yeah. Still there. Will never go away. I found him very um, supportive. Mm. I'm thinking back. He just whatever the staff or team needed to mm. perform. He, yeah. He was very supportive. Yeah. He was very honest. I used to do my own contracts with him. I never, never, ever have I had an agent. I've yeah. always done my own deals. And yeah. I remember doing contract negotiations <laughs> with him taught me lessons along the way oh, wow. that have helped me many years later. Yeah. But yeah, he, he was brilliant. He's he was a good brilliant. operator. Um, so anyway, you came, it's not about me this, let's go back no, to no, you. No, uh, there's an open chat here, yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you came you came to the Bulldogs for yeah. the first time around in a commercial role. Yeah. Small team. How many years? I ended up spending seven here. Okay. Yeah, first time around, almost seven. So I started in 10, finished in 17. Um, only two, maybe three roles that sort of merged into one, but I, I came in as a sales executive in, okay. a, in a team that was, at the time, we were punching above our weight. But what I remember specifically at the time was, and a lot of people are, uh, seeing similarities in where the club is at the moment yeah they come out of a you know, i think it was 08 um they bottom of the bottom. table 09 a nice run into the final prelim 09 against, yeah, the eels. against the eels so there was a bit of momentum they'd recruited well yeah. um but it was still a long way to go yeah. um but commercially i remember coming in and, and edgy talk about edgy's corporate book hundreds of partners hundreds yeah and that's what i was used to so i came into the bulldogs and it was Honestly, I remember it was like 41, 42 partners. Yeah, right. And I thought, okay, there must be that, you know, that list, where's the other list and where's the rest of the partners? And, and my boss, Dave, at the time, he said, no, no, we, we used to have a heap of partners. Yeah. These are the ones we want. Right. And they'd done a, not a cull, but they sort of worked through and said, look, let's just renew the businesses. Yeah. They're actually gonna help us grow as a business. Right. We're gonna spend too much time on these businesses. And it wasn't as simple as going, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're yeah. in. It just organically got to that point where there were 42. We built it back up to over 150 in about three years. Yeah, right. And it was the right bit. But we did it with the right base. Yeah, yeah. Good businesses tend to like working with like-minded businesses. So they yeah. would bring referring businesses in. We had a program. We earned some money back if you brought some. I had one guy. Yeah. Um, he didn't pay for his partnership because every year he'd bring five new businesses in and he'd get his, he his partnership. And that, was, that yeah. taught me a lot around, you know, if you again the people around the right you, people, yeah. whether that's external stakeholders people inside the business well done so man. we um and that so was a shock because i remember prospering from your first time well it's exactly yeah. right and we 
we, we don't do that, but I think that just happens over time. Yeah. You, you build yeah. the group and you, you're heading in one direction. People just bounce out of it if yeah. they're not going to fit. So, yeah, that, that still sticks with me because it was, I remember going home that night going, a bit yeah. different here. But it didn't take long. Like, we yeah. did it the right way. We didn't take shortcuts. Well, yeah. there's one. The, the shortcuts, I wonder if that's obviously, you know, I started this chat around your detail as an athlete. Yeah. You take a shortcut. Yeah. or disrespect your sport in any way Mentally. by taking a shortcut, it'll bite you on the ass, and it will. it's now in your mentality, it's just part of you, yeah. like there's no shortcuts. Yeah. Was there any, was there any uh, inkling of, hey, I'm gonna be a CEO one day, at this stage in your career? Are you yeah, thinking, funny enough, are yes. you aiming that high yeah. back then? Yeah, I was, and Ooh. I didn't know how, when, or where, but I, I had that in me, and it was more, yes, CEO, because I guess that's the pinnacle of sports administration, particularly in club land. Um, but I just knew that I had to get as, and you can't know it all. You, you, yeah. you think you go, okay, there's, you know, let's say 10 components of a football club and you break it down, you can get a fair understanding. And that's where I feel like I'm at. I've got strengths that are far exceeding sort of the average in certain areas, and I've got areas I need to work on. But I make sure I've got the right people in those roles yeah. to upskill the business, but importantly me. So I've got a, a nice well-roundedness to, to running a football club. But, and that's, I remember having the same mentality back then. Is like, you don't know it all, unless you're an absolute genius and you've got the capacity to, you know, sleep three hours a night, get up yeah. and, and perform. You got to be realistic. So I, um, yeah, I knew I wanted to be. Um, funny enough, towards the end of my first stint at the Dogs, I thought it is here. I just don't know when, um, but I didn't overthink it. It was just sort of the it was the driver in me that um, didn't keep me up at night, but just kept the, the fire burning. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, because there is no, or correct me if I'm wrong, there's no like clear pathway. Hey, you yeah. want to be a CEO mm. of a sporting club? Do this. Yeah. Everyone's different. Everyone's, it's like coaching. Like, mm. you know, like the, the best, the best coaches are lifelong learners always. Yeah. Like you think Wayne Bennett still, he, he is a great episode. My most listened to episode on yeah. our Audible is the Wayne Bennett episode. Yeah. Um, he, and I went and had dinner with him not so long ago, and he still tells me he's constantly learning yeah, and getting doesn't better. Doesn't surprise me. And he keeps getting better. So you just mentioned it in your world. You're now basically you're the pinnacle of sporting admin, mm. but you're still making sure you're constantly oh, learning and developing every different day. areas. But can I go back to the challenges of there is no real pathway? No. Was there any hard times or any lessons yeah. that we could share? You know what the the, the one. And it's, it comes up in, in everyday life for every one of us, and particularly everyone listening to this podcast, would be you lose the, the passion for something right. in particular. And you can get it back, and that means you, you still you know, have time in that particular role. Yeah. But when it doesn't come back, you've really got to ask yourself the question yeah. about what's next. Are you just wasting time? Are you just yeah. sort of waiting for something to pop up? And that, they're all okay. They're, they're, they're strategies behind moving into different roles going on to learn something from someone else or another organization. But for me, um, and I said this at the time, when I was at the club, I just lost the, the drive. And not for the club, I loved it, never stopped loving it. But where I was, personally, I knew I had to go and do something else. I had to go learn and fail and challenge myself again. Yeah. And it wasn't because, well it was, I remember looking back going, everything's pretty good here at the moment, commercially. Yeah. I, and I'd, I'd made sure there wasn't anything I hadn't done and maybe find something else that would keep me motivated to drive. So if you look back at every part of my career, there was 
and it ha I know it happens. I talk to friends and family about their jobs, and you've got to keep that fire burning. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's only then will you continue to learn, and you only learn by listening. And yeah. if you haven't got that drive, you put the blinkers on, you yeah. do your job, you go about it, you get a little bit more frustrated when you when you're enjoying something, you probably just roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. You you find ways to learn and enjoy, but when you lose it, but then it's it's completely lost. You've really got to think about what's next, and that's yeah, okay. for me. That was um, I learnt that early, but it was around roles. So I, in the eels, I went from membership to marketing to media to sales um, to a broader sales role. All good, and then it was Coke. I had to challenge, and I only look back now and reflect that. They were massive learning years. Well, all those roles have now helped you be a nice exactly rounded right. CEO. So, so how do you write that? Role, you can't write know? that yeah, yeah, to get here. You can't. But the, the, yeah. maybe the message there is you've got to keep challenging yourself. Yeah. You've got to keep hungry. The people around you make a big difference because they sometimes see things you don't yeah. and they can push you in the right direction or give you the right advice at the right time. And that's what it comes down to, yeah. being, being present. I've just know? had this flashback. Mm. You've always... You just said, listen, you've always sought out people to learn from. Yeah. I remember you asked me to go to dinner once at Malone's restaurant in Borkham Hills yeah, yeah. because you wanted to run past me an idea you had. Yeah. Um, um, yeah that's, event, that's coming like, back to like, me that's now. Coming, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, and I remember at the time, I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> but, but part of influences in me have been like coaches that have given me their time. Mm. Like, I'll never forget things like standing on the pitch side at Man United and Alex Ferguson comes yeah. over and says, Hi, I'm, I'm Alex. Do you, do you have time for lunch? Like, yeah. So people like that that have given me their time. Yeah. I remember at the time you wanted to go and have a chat. I was like, what's he want to talk to yeah. me for? You know, but then I was like, no, he's a great bloke. He's on a path. Yeah. I'm going to go, listen, give advice if I had any. Yeah. Um, and now here I am, I'll probably be asking you for advice. <laughs> That's the way it all works, yeah, honestly. Like, like, but, but I do now, I'm just starting to think that that has been in you mm. from, you know, it's, it's basically way back to the, the times at school where mm. you're taking advice of smarter coaches, older athletes, yeah. you know, and then yeah. and here you are now. Um, fascinating there I, I wanted to dip into was there any lessons or any tough times and yeah. and you have made it clear there's no real clear pathway mm. can I ask you what you see what's your vision of this club this Bulldogs club what mm. can you see is possible for this club yeah if I ask you that what is if you had to answer it and you had to really think boldly think mm. big yeah aim really high yeah what can you see is possible here? I think there's two ways I would approach that question in terms of, and, and this club deserves the respect of a pretty broad answer for that one because it's sort of been there, done that. It's, it was so successful through the 80s. Yeah, you know, came into the comp in the 30s when Belmore wasn't like it is today, right? So they had to fight for everything. Won a couple of premierships early and then had this almost 40 year hiatus of just not only not making finals consistently, just no premierships and, you know, a, a, an area of Sydney that was so driven, had multicultural influences um, like no other area in Sydney, let alone the country. But football was always the, 
the cornerstone. It was what everyone looked at. So a club that unites, inspires, needs to be at the forefront of what we do. So off the field, driving community engagement. You know, you spoke about bringing the right people back who can further deliver um, the programs we're trying to deliver, uh, like the Bulldogs can only do. And I always say that as a, we're a club that is pretty unique, but if we don't double down on all of our strengths, we're just playing in a mix with everyone else. So we're just sort of turning up to schools and we're, if um, you know, we're getting a request here, we, we look at it and go, yeah, we can come out or we can do it. We've got to do it differently. And we, we've started doing that, I can see it. And, I, and we've always pushed the envelope when it comes to our community engagement because we're the only club in the country and the Wanderers in, in the A-League where the government used our clubs to communicate messages through the pandemic because fans would listen to us, right? There was trust there, there was, yes, there was bilingual um, um, players who could come in and communicate um, certain messages in certain ways, but That's I see that as just so unique, right? Yeah. We, we had a pop-up vaccination centre here at Belmore, um, the only one in the state at a football ground because people trusted us. So we've got to get better at that. And, and I know we can because we've got the people, we've done it before, we've just got to do it more consistently. Yeah. And then from a football perspective, um, the main reason we're here, right, is to build a club that has the most clear pathway to winning a premiership. And that's from a player, whether it be male or female at any age, um, to see the pathway all the way through. But to be part of something that starts when you're, you know, five, six years old, 14, if you come through our rep systems, um, both male and female now, which is so rewarding to see that we've got yeah, girls teams 100%. and a huge investment in female sport well before we've got a, a team in the top tier. Um, but it's building a system that produces Bulldogs. So you talk to any other team, and I've worked at Parramatta, is when the Bulldogs are firing and you talk to Willie Mason and Bob Cat and all those guys in the 04 era is, if you didn't um, lose to the Bulldogs, say if you beat them in you know those rare days where the dogs were you know were toppling, 03, 04 was strong, you, you woke up sore the next day. You, yeah. you knew you played the Bulldogs. Yeah. Like it was that kind of dogs of war, tough mentality. Is um, that's got to start at an early age as a bulldog. You put yeah. the jumper on, you play like a bulldog. And I know Cameron, who is popping up at flag training, who's visited a few of the girls' sessions, who's talking to all of our coaches at any given time, um, because it, he can't expect to have the best talent coming through if he hasn't got an influence of what he wants yeah. as a high-performing player yeah. in the top tier. So. Complex as, as complex as that answer sounds, it's so simple in my head. It is a simple plan, but it's, it's a challenging one to get everyone in the right place at the right time. But in this past six months, particularly the last two years since I've been back, you can, I can see it. Well, I can see it. I've, I've been seeing a few things Bulldogs are doing, and you mentioned the word respect there, and then you, you rolled straight into very organically none of this has ever been scripted mm. you rode straight into respecting players of the early 1900s mm. this club yeah and then you've respected the community and then you've like the word respect there just come out in everything you said mm. anyway and even cameron going down and doing stuff for these junior coaches these junior teams mm. it's not just words that we want this board it's yeah he's showing respect to them and that always pays you back. Yeah, it does. Um, I'm just loving these trains that yeah. keep going past. If you, you had the schedule, you could almost say that's the uh, 10.39 in yeah, the... Yeah, it's, it's in a the cameraman's s- nightmare, but it's very <laughs> Belmore. Um, um, 
But yeah, like you've got a beauty there in your head coach mm. and the people around him. Yeah. But you're actually like you never really mentioned the trophies then, like you did, but you didn't. Like mm. you actually said we take care of all this stuff. Yeah, that'll happen. That'll happen. Yeah. And that I'm a big believer in that. If you if you break down that vision you have, obviously everyone wants to win. But break it down and obviously you're already looking what could get in the way of that, like potential little roadblocks yeah. that may happen. Yeah. And you've got the people around to deal with it. But just back to that word respect that you said, like mm. you can feel that, can't yeah. you? Like it's yeah. it can't just be a word. No, it can't. Which is a thing that I have seen across so many organisations. Um, sometimes you see words that are just on the wall, mm. but they don't live it. Yeah. But the ones that live it, that genuinely live it, yeah. through their actions, like you just said, that's an action. Cam Serraldo going down to a junior team, mm. that's action. Correct. Like when, when people live it through their actions, I don't know what's, what words are on your wall. Mm. Um, I'm interested in doing a tour after this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's um, there's some there's some good it's, little lessons there. It's important. We've got a heap of work. Cameron, myself, Gus, a few of the execs have been working on. That's pretty close to launching, and it's it's around the Bulldog Way. Yeah. So it's every club has it yeah. in a roundabout way, and and you can call it what you will. It can be words if they're only yeah. that, and they can be left on a wall in yeah. a book on a website. The the key is to ensure it's as clear as possible. You've got examples, like you said there, what does yeah. that mean? You know, yeah. what, is, what does commitment mean? What does accountability mean? Well, accountability means... What does that look yeah, like? And yeah. how do you live it? So it's, again, football clubs, business. You don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. The moment you start having blurred lines between everything, yeah. you have people going on their own paths. Well, here's some little lessons for the listeners. How do you deal with a tough conversation that you, when you have to address a staff member or sack someone can't be easy no. um, if you if you're going to make your way as a CEO at some point you're sacking someone mm. how do you handle that yeah it's look it's, it, having the influence to change someone's life in the blink of an eye is it's, no one looks at it and says how good that's a great part of the role but I think if you've set the right platform for the business and you've made everything pretty clear there won't be too many surprises that pop yeah. up yeah. on both sides of the table. Look, I'm not perfect, no one in the business is, but more often than not, we know where we're heading and we know what we need to do. If you get blindsided by something, um, you've, got to, you've got to react, you've got to deal with it, you've got to act in the best interest of the club at all times. Yeah. Club is absolute first. Yes. So if you can keep that as a clear, um, I guess, guideline for any way I was to act or any way a staff member was to act, you can call someone out on it. It's as simple as that. I think yeah. it's got to go both ways. I don't walk around here high and mighty thinking whatever I do is correct. I, yeah. I'm only acting in the best interest of the club, but if I'm not, call me out. Yeah. And that's, it's got to go both ways. So I feel like if that's the basis to any conversation across the table, yeah. you, you can have that honest and direct combo. If trust levels are high, those conversations that uh, tough shouldn't really be right, that tough. That's right. Um, but I like, I like to make sure. In amongst all this, people listening, there's mm. there's little things they're going to come across. And the tough conversations, the yeah. reason they're called tough conversations, because a lot of people find them tough. Uh, I've found myself that I don't have an issue with a tough conversation 
now. Mm. I might have very early. Yeah. I don't have an issue with a tough conversation if it's aligned with the values. Mm. So let's say the words on the wall. Yeah. That's the value. Correct. So I don't have an issue with saying, hey, is that in alignment with that? Yeah. And if it's not, yeah. it's not really a tough conversation because it's not personal. Yeah. It's not that you don't like the person. Mm. It's, is that behavior, whatever mm. it was, that action, is that in alignment with our values? Yeah. And if it's not, let's get this sorted. Right. And if someone doesn't want to work with those values, then yeah. you've got to go. That, it's almost a self-policing model yeah. that you can, if you can't see it, then there might be a complete disconnect. Yeah. But on the odd occasion that it's not, it's like, well, pretty clear yeah and and it's the outcome needs to be known either way there can't be any ambiguity around the, the outcome of that conversation yeah. can't be left that it's going to get worse and fester i feel yeah. like that's the key is we can't leave this office yes. until it's, we're clear because yes. we can get on with it and we know exactly what we're wanting to do you're here for a reason i'm here for a reason and it's to unite and inspire a community there you go are we doing that like it's pretty clear do you think that behavior unites people mm. or not yeah. like that's yeah. an easy chat to have it is do you think what's happening there is that inspiring the community Ooh, that's, that's right it's an easy chat to have yeah. okay communication on field it's the biggest thing mm -hmm. we mention it a lot the most connected team wins because the most connected team defends the best the best defensive team wins i say it a lot yep um and the coach you've employed massive believer in that stuff yeah communication in all that talking in that like talking to the person next to you when you when you're playing a team sport or mm. but in a business sense tell me how you value communication because the most connected team wins on the park but yeah. i'm feeling the most connected team 100 percent. where do you place a value on communication and yeah. is there any lessons along the way are you getting better at it were you always good at it no nah, look it's you it's know? oh you can always improve you can always particularly at the end of every day, week, you can always have a quick snapshot back the week, the day that was, could we have done um, better in this space? We had a meeting earlier today, we did this, or this got canceled. A million things get thrown at you in a week in rugby league. Yeah. To reflect is super important. But the one thing I'm pretty proud of at the moment is the group of people. So we've got 50 or so people in the admin side of the business. It's pretty well resourced. Yeah. Probably. 30 odd when I started. So we've recruited really hard. We filled gaps left, right and center. The more people you have and the quicker you bring them in, the more difficult lines of communication can be. Yeah. Um, people are busy, particularly this time of year. They, you, you've got X amount of weeks to kick off. You don't get this time back. Pressures are building. Yeah. Communication is far more important, but you need to have structures in place that allow that. So the teams, like any team, any workplace across the land, you can see communication breakdowns in marketing and sales, events and finance, and, and it always comes down, as long as you've got the right people, to communication. It never, there's never people trying to be conniving in the background, it, it, rarely, right? It is yeah. communication, and it's always a misunderstanding around someone's roles and responsibilities and how they may be misaligned or perceived to misaligned, they rarely are, it's just comms. So you have to invest time in this. People have to know you value this. Yeah. It's the same on the field. If ever there's a defensive yeah. error yeah. and the team gets scored against, nearly always mm. there was some sort of miscommunication yeah. going on yeah. or lack of communication. Exactly the same. Lack of. So you clearly value it and you're answering these, answering these words, mm. these questions so well for the people listening. 
communicating with fans. Mm. Like, you clearly, I see it in you, I hear it, I've watched some of your stuff. You give so much respect to this community. Mm. Do you have a bit of a plan on how you communicate? Because, yeah. I mean, you've got some fans that they want to know yeah. what's going we, on. We've got, you know? um, our communication plans are pretty- By the way, you're doing some brilliant stuff in the digital space. Yeah, we've- Talk about communicating with yeah, fans, how your team's training. Improving very yeah, light years. I watched uh, something the, the recently. Kennel, yeah. The Kennel, yeah, first episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think second very episode impressive. drops very soon. So it's um, look, it, so communicating on that level is simply showing five hundred thousand fans what we're doing. Not yes. many words were said in that around. Hey guys, now what we're doing here is this, and this yeah. exercise is it. We just showed them. Yeah, you can work it out. Yeah, the clear message of episode one was connection. Yes, brand new group of guys. Heap of new faces, coaching team from all walks of life. What about what Andrew Ryan pulled off? That, connecting, that yeah, connecting yeah. Day. He, he, was, he put most of that stuff together. So that was impressive. That the driver of that day was connection. If and, you haven't seen it, anyone listening, uh, YouTube, it's called the Kennel. Yeah, the Bulldogs Channel. Yeah, I think it's a twelve-minute episode. Yeah, twelve minutes. There's, I think, five episodes in Coming. total. Yeah, it's very yeah. impressive. Very cool. Yeah, and um, yeah, we so that form of communication super unique. But you're talking 100,000 hits on YouTube, which for some might not be a lot for us. We're brand new on that platform. Yeah. It's showing that that's what the fans want. Versus the fans and Bulldog fans in particular, they're a proud group of supporters. Um, I'm not saying other teams aren't, but we're a pretty, pretty avid group of supporters who will stick up for their club at all yeah. times. No matter what happens, yeah. you're a Bulldog supporter and, and this is the badge. Yeah. At a barbecue, at a gathering, at a this. Don't say anything bad against the Bulldogs because they'll have something to tell you why that's incorrect or this is what we're doing. And so for us, it's arming Bulldogs fans with the truth. Yeah. This is what we're about. Something gets written, oh, we're doing this, we're spending here, and this is this and whatever. And I will tell you exactly what we're doing. So we're very good at the members comms in yeah. terms of this is what we're about. Look, we can get better. We can over communicate in certain areas and we, we will, but we, I look at it like that. If we do some good things, it's not about us getting the top of the grandstand and saying how great we are. It's simply to arm Bulldogs fans to continue to be proud of the club. Mate, Simple. So impressive your answers, but the content you're delivering, but mm. I had an experience with yeah. Bulldog yeah, fans, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, so many people did. Let, let me tell you what, no, no, sorry. Oh. I had an experience with some of your fans. Okay. A lot of your fans know that I've worked for rival clubs. Yeah. And the podcast is another thing I do, but a lot of your fans know me as someone that was at Penrith or yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did the podcast with Andrew Ryan, mm. Bulldogs legend, very close friend of mine who I was a part of his career early on. Yeah. Um, followed the same path as you, started Eels, ended up yeah, Bulldogs yeah, legend. But anyway, I got contacted by a couple of fans who gave me so much respect. Mm. And actually shared the, just like I'm not so much the YouTube. We're pretty new to the YouTube stuff, but yeah. the audio, the audio version of Andrew Ryan's podcast yeah. went off because they actually respected that I was mm. trying to bring them some content yeah. of this legend, and they love him. They yeah. must love him. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that those hundred thousand people that watched your one will share this. Yeah, version. why not? Have, look, who knows? It's uh, funny with um. With that day, I, you know, sometimes you don't overthink something. Yeah. You, if the content's there, that'll look after itself. Yeah. No point getting up and 
chapter one and chapter two and all these things. This this was just put out there. The guys yeah. did an amazing job. Yeah, amazing job. Because you give so much respect. You mentioned the word multicultural. Talk to me a little bit through that. You have yeah. um, the most multiculturally supported club in the country. Is it? We've and got you've so got this the this, stats. this it, it's that's let alone fact. being in that's fact. it's fact. Yeah. Let alone being in Canterbury Bankstown, which has over 150 nationalities. You've got Campsie, about a kilometre that way. 17 times more likely to speak Vietnamese than anywhere else in the country. Yeah. You've got Roselands over here, which has changed over the decades immensely. Lakemba, not far behind it. Um, Ramadan nights, once a year we head down there. Yeah. It brings almost 100,000 people from all over the city into one street in Lakemba to celebrate Ramadan. Right. The strip in Belmore, you know, it closes down. Unfortunately, we haven't played finals in a few years, but every final series, every night leading in, safety first, is, it packs everyone in there. You've got Bankstown, you've got, so I'm, it, you're talking, and even in our supporter group, in terms of our members, 44% are from non-English speaking backgrounds. And even in your team. That team. You've got. We've got, and we're doing a piece now with multicultural around fast approaching round three, which is going to be here at Belmore yep. against the Tigers, the 30th year anniversary of a multicultural round here in 93. Wow. So we're going to do something pretty special. And because we can, mm. we can call out our members going, tell us your background. Tell us a little bit about you. How'd you get here? Why the Bulldogs? And the stories yeah. can be a book that thick that would fly off the shelves. Like it's just different, you know? You know how you did like the boys you had, you know, you got the Fox, you know, like uh, really well, top level respected in yeah. the indigenous community. And yeah. he would have shared his and did the dance and you had yeah, Lebanese yeah. stuff. And you had, yeah. What did Cam Seraldo do? Because he's got Italian in him. I didn't see. He, he, he didn't got, see his. He definitely got involved in all the others. I saw him banging yeah, drums. Yeah, and face stuff. paint. Yeah, face paint. Yeah. And, um, if you want to like have a little multicultural day with your head coach you've just employed, I'll tell you what to do. Go and buy the best salami yeah. italian real go go and yeah, get yeah. real and and get him a really nice bottle of red probably give mortimer's wines a ring yeah, yeah. and sit down and have a red bit of salami bit of and that'd nail get, it yeah well it, so again your multicultural stuff he, yeah he's got italian back he there. has played and coached yeah you've got everything at this club it's it's super unique and it's um yeah just stay tuned round three we're going to celebrate it like like never before Okay. Yeah. I might come back. It's going to be pretty special. Where will that game be? Here, round three. Here? Yeah, live, Channel 9. So oh. multicultural round is round three comp-wide. Right. So we're one of the last games on the Sunday here. So, yeah, we've got, I won't get too far into the plans, but it's... Um, Can you get me a seat back where I used to sit? Yeah, yeah. When I used to watch Terry Lamb play, just Well, you've got to be there. a member to get those seats. They're good well, seats. But I know you. Like, <laughs> is it one of those connection things? Short of a member not being able to make it, this place will be... We're hoping for 18,000. We put 17,000 in Look here. Look at you, you're still selling no, memberships. No, 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 well. You're still selling. You get them while you can. Mate, honestly, I love chatting to you, mate. I love following your journey, personally. Thanks, mate. Likewise with Knowing you. you for a long time, I love seeing what you're doing. But the feeling I get coming in here, the people I've already bumped into, yeah. the people you're surrounding yourself with and what you value, this place is going 
Oh, well, I'm glad you can yeah. see it, mate. And look, anytime, honestly, maybe I can find that seat for you. Yeah, please. When you get here. Please. We're, we're here for round 22, so maybe as well. Thanks, Hoops, mate. See you, mate. Very Thank good. you. Some of the best learning you will ever do will be talking and listening over a beautiful glass of red, which brings me to thanking our sponsors at Mortimer's Wines. Mortimer's are a family-owned vineyard in the beautiful region of Orange, New South Wales, Australia. Their historic 150-year-old schoolyard building that is now the cellar door, it provides a great atmosphere to taste their fine wines. Visit mortimerswines.com.au